Welcome to Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan and you're listening to The Big Interview. These days, with the roaming regulations in the back of our minds, one has to think just how important is getting high-quality GSM services. Yes, we all want data to download faster, but do we really care about the quality of a GSM call? Recently, I had the real pleasure to interview a person I have known for several years, who has, I would say, devoted himself to understanding the market dynamics of quality and cost. Torbjorn Pettersen, Regional Development Director of Mobile Solutions and Internet of Things at Telecarrier, a company who recently came Tier 1 in our IPX Network's Vendor Performance Report. Torbjorn is a quality guru, We all know his work on the Global Roaming Quality Project of the GSMA, but with his contributions in Telenor and Vodafone, he also gives us, in his interview, some real insights into his telecom story. I think when we're talking more about the industry, and I mentioned earlier machine-to-machine communication or Internet of Things, which it's, it's called today, I think this is where we will see where operators and enterprises are willing to pay for high premium services. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with Torbjorn. You have to help me with this pronunciation, okay? Torbjorn, Torbjorn Pettersson. I just love the, the Scandinavian accent. It's, it's really exciting for me. Torbjorn Pettersson. Yes, very good, very good. Almost uh, sounded like Swedish. Very good, Jason. <laughs> well, actually, I'm a big fan of, of Sweden and Swedish music, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But first, this is about you. I'm really happy to be here with you today to ask you some questions on quality, a little bit about your history and about Telecarrier because it's a very interesting company and Telecarrier of course have recently been tier one in our IPX network research which we just completed. So Torbjorn, what was the moment that you entered into the telecom space or you realized that telecoms was going to be it for your career? My pleasure. And and thank you for having me here, uh, Jason. I really appreciate that. So when I joined Telecom, that was uh, one Swedish company, Ericsson, back in the early 90s. And then I joined uh, the mobile operator, Europolitan, Vodafone. It was a long journey where we worked with setting up 2G network, 3G network. And um, I have an engineering background, but also have a passion for trying to improve things. And this is where I started off my career, working with how we can try to improve things in the daily life when it comes to quality of service, either the platforms we were doing or the services, uh, or later on when we're talking about the roaming services. So this is how I came in to to work with this uh, already in the 90s. But what was the moment that you realized as a person that, that telecoms was what you wanted to get into? (laughs) <laughs> Good question. I think this was something, uh, it took me a couple of years to figure out, but I knew quite early since my education was based on engineering and to optimize things. It, it was what I was looking for, but it took, you know, it always takes some time at the beginning before you figure out exactly what you like to do. For me, it took a few years, but then when I started to work within telecom and I found out all the exciting things that was happening, that was when I really thought that this is where I'm meant to be. This is where I'm meant to, to do um, some kind of difference in the world. And so you started out in a mobile operator? I did, yes. That was 1995. Almost, almost the time I started in telecoms. Wow, a long yeah. time ago. And and you mentioned it was Europolitan. 
it was Europolitan at the time, one of the f- first startups in, in Sweden. And they later on became Vodafone company and that changed over the years. But that was where I started, yes. After Europolitan, what, what was the next step for you? You worked in Europolitan for, for how many years? I worked for Europolitan until they changed. I think that was around 2000 or the beginning of 2000 to Vodafone. Uh, and that uh, at that time, I worked as an engineer and I started to work with uh, roaming solutions uh, in the IREC team. So I was a tester. Uh, I made sure that we could launch 2G, 3G services, candle services, basically everything we had for inbound and outbound roaming. And at the same time, I worked a few years. I had this engineering background and I was passionate about to try to improve how we could actually make the services better. For example, there was a time when we had, so you can actually use video, if you remember that, Jason, with a 64 uncompressed data line all the way from somewhere in Asia. And we started to look into how this could actually work if we could launch that as a service. And at the same token, we saw a lot of voice issues where voice business were tromboning just to try to find different ways of terminating the voice calls in a cheaper way into Sweden and to other countries. So this is where I think I started my journey where we looked into quality of service and how to improve the customer experience and make sure that this is something that works really, really good. This is how I started to look into what can we do to change how things are being set up today. And one of the key challenges at that time, and this was also when we had a discussion with GSM Association, is that we're actually on standard for how we define quality of service. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic, which has been discussed in many working parties, but especially in the, the WAS meeting and then other quality parties of the GSMA. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into the GSMA work? That's uh, that's a very good question. I'd love to tell you about that. So what we did, this is in the beginning of the 2000, 2004, 2005, we had discussions and there was something drafted, nothing that was really used. So there was a gap in the industry where roaming operators were signing up the commercial agreements, there were the technical guidance, uh, but there was nothing in between to make sure that actually quality of service is something that should be sustainable over time. So once you do the testing, once you launch the service, you make sure that things work, but the day after, the week after, year after, or whenever, you have no clue how it's working unless if we can find a way of defining the standard. So back in 2007, I think it was, there was an initiative from GSM Association with three working streams. One working stream was to define roaming hub, and we know how that's developed. We have a number of roaming hub solutions today. The second work stream was to uh, figure out how SMS should work with an SMS hubbing. And this is also when uh, we did a job to put into the SMS hubbing standard into the GSMA reference documents. And then the third work stream, that was to define quality of service. So we had a program which we have worked with now during 10 years called Global Roaming Quality. And this is exactly how we have defined uh, how we could actually measure quality of service. And this goes for voice, for SMS, as well as for data, for inbound roamers and outbound roamers. Just to make sure that you and I, Jason, when we speak today, that you have a clear, you have a good connection and it stays like that over time. And this is something we saw also in my previous job where I was working because we started to work more and more with machine-to-machine communication. And this is also where we saw that it became clearer from the customer's point of view that customers, and it could be the mobile operator, it could be enterprise customers, uh, or even car manufacturers where you have a SIM card put into the cars that are then being exported. 
that it is a very important requirement that the quality of service works all the time because of all of the services that you have, for example, in a car. And then that solution becomes part of the car, becomes a component, becomes part of the service and becomes part of the whole experience when you buy a car. So that is somewhere 2007, 2008, where we started to work with this. And it took some time to put together a standard and then to try to implement this standard across operators around the world. So what was the reaction of operators who were taking part in this project then? Was it very common the operators were enthusiastic, they were putting resources into trying to improve this? Or or was it, you know, that they were concerned about doing this as a project but weren't necessarily convinced that you know it was going to be something that would be globally adopted you're absolutely right Uh, there was challenges there's still challenges to convince operators what's in it for us what do we benefit from this and why should we spend money on this or time or resources maybe time or resources are here more important and and that's something we struggled with so there were a number of operators who realized quite early that this is something that is important and that we need to do something and they were very keen to join this global Rome equality project and we had different regional groups i was hosting the european group for example myself but we had a group in asia we had one in latam we had one in the us and we had one in in the Middle East. So all of those operators try to find ways with the guidance and what we've done just to improve things. And it could be from changing the voice routing to have direct voice routes to change the provider that we're using or upgrading the service level agreement or having a methodology of actually measuring the traffic for inbound and outbound traffic. Uh, There were also changes done with the NOC team to make sure that uh, the operator did have someone looking into the roaming traffic 24 by 7, 365 days a year. So it was a massive job to do that. But yes, we did meet resistance. And I think just to summarize why operators were hesitant of doing this is because it was difficult to understand what it was worth talking about dollars and euros mm. how can we transform that into what it would be worth in money yeah monetization of everything is a focus especially when from a roaming perspective of course operators of the last 10 years have, have started to see roaming revenues decline because of regulation or, or other factors basically competition in each market with mvnos etc so it was a project which was necessary to do within the gsma and there was lots of operators behind it. You, you mentioned that there was different groups in different regions. Can you tell us anything about the diversity of the project? For example, from a global perspective, which regions are more focused on quality than others? I think the two regions that really stood out was uh, the European and from the Middle East. And uh, that was for different reasons. In Europe, for example, uh, I would say you have a lot of roaming traffic per default between each and one of the European countries. When you travel to other parts of the world, it's not always that you have that much outbound or inbound, or maybe you have more outbound than inbound and so on. But in Europe, what happened is that a few of the bigger groups have worked on this already, and they were very keen to continue the work across operators outside the group. And this is one of the important drivers here, which made it fairly successful what we did there. If we look into the Middle East, there we have other issues. For example, if we talk about the the voice 
business. The difference was quite big between terminating international and domestic calls into countries. And that means that it opened up a completely new market, a very big market for uh, terminating fraud rent traffic over SIM boxes into different countries. And this was the driver for those operators to try to find ways around how to detect this voice termination of illegal calls, try to remove it and clean up and make sure that for those reasons, there was a very good quality of service. So there were different drivers. And I would say that altogether, it affected the way we had set up the methodology of measuring the traffic. So we learned a lot of things from the Middle East group. We learned a lot from working with the European operators, which at the end of the day made it possible to improve the framework and the way of how we put the standard into how operators could actually use this both in the daily process and routines, how they work and maintain the quality of service, as well of how to measure the traffic in terms of different, you can, you can measure it with active or passive probes and there are different ways of doing that. So that is what we actually concluded after we worked for about six months with the European and with the Middle East or the Arabic group. It's interesting, isn't it? The cultural diversity of quality. And it, it leads me to my next question for you, Torbjorn, which is around quality or cost. Today, it seems like the focus is on cost. But is there a day in the future when the focus could be more on quality? What's your opinion on this? I think it's a wonderful question. And uh, I've been asking me the same question for 10 years. And my personal view on that is that I think it would be difficult, even though we thought in the beginning that there could be a premium service for products in the private market that you and I might want to buy for. But I'm, I dare that that would actually be something that private persons would like to pay more for. I think when we're talking more about the industry, and I mentioned earlier machine-to-machine communication or internet of things, which it's, it's called today, I think this is where we will see where operators and enterprises are willing to pay for high premium services. And I'll give you an example. Back when we started the Global Roaming Quality Project, there was a lot of focus on SMS and voice traffic, we saw that the, the increased need for data uh, started to appear as well. But I think today it's, it's the reverse. It's much more on the data side than compared uh, to what it was earlier. For example, in the IoT industry, we see that there are big, big enterprises and it could be air companies, it could be car manufacturers, it could be smart cities and so on, where it's really necessary and important that those services work all the time. For example, if you have a car, you need to make sure that if the car would be in an accident or if the car would be stolen, if you need to track the car, it is expected that the service work all the time, regardless what happens. So this is where we see that that there is a need for the high quality of service. And this is where I think that we will see that there is a willingness uh, to pay more for premium services. No, that it's a really interesting feedback because this year we had the roaming regulation, of course, in the EU. And I have a Spanish SIM card because I, I live in Spain. I thought this is going to be interesting because whenever you walk into a retail store of a, a mobile network operator, rarely do they understand how roaming works or will they be really informed about the regulation? So I was interested to see how the regulation was playing out in the different countries uh, of the world. And, and I took to the UK and... You know, since I have a 4G connection in Spain, I was fully expecting that I was going to be receiving 4G connection. No different, let's say, class of service than I was getting in my home country, but it was completely different. 
the the quality had completely declined. And I found myself mostly on 2.5G or 3G services. And I pretty much soon worked out that this is because I was not paying anything extra for roaming charges, or at least my perception was that. And so the question is in Europe, with the focus on cost and with the fact that operators have been regulated, why should they even be thinking about quality at this time? It is a very good question. <laughs> and I think you I think you actually had the answer there. Yeah. I mean, you were expecting more when you were traveling back home to, to the UK that we expect Rome like home. It should actually work like we're doing at home. And of course, this is very much up to the operator and what we purchase and the subscriptions we have when we're going abroad. But I, I find it that it's not that clear for, for myself either. When I go abroad, what I actually get with my subscription, but I assume that I would get the, the same experience as I get uh, back home. And, and that is where we have the quality of service aspect that we should have that. Then if we get different services or get different speed, because we happen to be in the 3G network rather than the 4G network, it's, it's not easy for, I mean, you and me, we're in the industry, Jason, but for people who are not in the industry, it's very difficult for them. I know my parents-in-law, they travel frequently to France, and I try to explain to them how much one gigabit or one megabit is, and it is the same question every time. It's, it's quite difficult to explain how things work in terms of the bandwidth, in terms of the quality of service, in terms of the different services. And my point here is we need to make sure that it works really, really easy, regardless if it's the quality of service or if it's the services itself that we're using while we're roaming abroad. So with this focus on regulation, the service level agreements that the GSMA worked so hard on and that operators have the option to do, which will allow them to understand the quality of the experience for the subscriber when roaming, because maybe in some situations the mobile operator does not understand the, the quality of the call or the data session that the subscriber is having. What is it that prevents MNOs, let's say, from doing more service level agreements, from understanding better this, the situation for the subscriber? would you say? I think that, first of all, many of the roaming agreements that has been signed in the past is excluding service level agreements. And the new service level agreement is a very easy service level agreement that everyone, every mobile operator without any problem could easily accept. Um, so they need to understand what it means for them, what it means to sign up for a premium service and then how to follow up. So they have like the, the processes and, and how to do that. And it, when I mention processes, it sounds like this is heavy work for the operators, but it's not. It's actually quite straightforward. And it's more to give guidance and understanding that every operator that are in the GSM world should look into the quality of service and make some kind of commitment together with the roaming partners that when you're in my network or when I visit your network, we should try to do the best that we can. And of course, there's an assumption that operators always try to do that. But it should also, in my opinion, be something in the service level agreement. So it's agreed how to handle faults. And it could be from opening travel tickets to sending out a report on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, or just to follow up how the traffic is going between the operators. But what I suggest to operators is to look into the guidance and the new service level agreements and add that. And it's quite easy to just add it and it's nothing hard. It doesn't require that hard of work, but it is important to make sure that to differentiate operators from others in the market, that they actually have this service level agreement in place. A question for you. 
Can you imagine a day when a subscriber is going to pay more for a higher class of service while roaming? I think that the class of service depends a little bit on the services that you're using. And sometimes it's difficult to understand what is what when we're talking about the services and so on. So, for example, with voice over IP or voice over LTE, this is where it's important, becomes mandatory to have class of service just to make sure that you have a good voice quality. And this service kind of not override, but it gets a high priority as a class of service compared to uh, other services being sent to the same uh, physical ports. But um, if we would see an operator pay for that, well, if we can explain in an easy way that uh, if you pay a little bit extra, you get the premium service, you get this, you get that, yes, then I think it's possible. But I think the challenge out there is also for operators to understand how to differentiate and how to explain what is then a better quality of service. No, it's a really, it's a good point. I mean, you would think that since Going back to the European perspective, which I'm maybe I'm focusing too much on, but it's so interesting that what's happened this year is that with the, the cost factor taken out of the equation, there's going to be a time when, since I'm not paying anything for roaming charges to fans, let's say, I'm going to be wanting to know how to measure the quality of the experience I'm going to have in roaming, perhaps. I think, Jason, what you can say also, there the two are glued together. And what I mean by that is that you mentioned when you were traveling from Spain to UK and you, ex- you actually think that it should work as it worked like home. And then we talk about Rome like home, but it doesn't always do like that. And that could depend uh, on a number of things. For example, 4G might not be launched. But what we saw from a telecarrier's perspective is that it was a massive growth of the data traffic. And we have our own IP backbone and we have we have tons of traffic we shuffle every day through our network. And what we saw is that the service for data roaming increased sometimes five to ten times the traffic that the mobile operators were having. And then, of course, it's important going back to the quality of service that those operators all the way have a solution where you can actually get the same quality of service, the same bandwidth, the same throughput without any latency or jitter, basically any kind of delay in the data stream. And and this is where we see that this is something that's been a challenge. And the operators need to be aware about that on the technical side and link that to the commercial side. For sure, when it comes to services like Volte, we are expecting a higher quality of service. With Volte, do you think, or let's say for 5G, that we're going to see an increase in the end-to-end testing importance for MNOs? I think so, yes. I think operators probably will take some time before they get started and to realize that. But if you look into, there's a technical documentation for every mobile operator. And this is something being shared between mobile operators just to understand the, the technical setup for a roaming solution. And it's called i 21 And in there you have where a network describes the quality of service profiles. And across most operators today, there is not much when it comes to the quality of service, but it becomes the driver in 4G and as you say, with voice over LTE network, and especially when moving towards 5G, it becomes more and more important. And it is to make sure that you get a lower latency and a better quality of service. So yes, I think it will actually trigger operators to more frequent test out the voice quality and to make sure that they do have a very good quality. And when we started like 2007, it wasn't possible at that time to actually measure 
the voice quality if it sounded blurry or if it was crystal clear. But today you can do that. So it's happened a lot, not only with the framework, the way of measuring the traffic, but also the way we listen and measure to the, the voice quality for itself. From a telecarrier perspective, as one of the leading IPX in the world, there is the option for the MNOs to, to get a higher quality of service. Is that something that MNOs are really asking for? It is, yes. But I think it's the services itself that is the driver when in time they would like to add or have to add a class of service. So, for example, we're running a big, big network, which we call AS1299, and it's, it's a big fiber network across the world with fibers and ducts. We run MPLS, and on top of that, we run the IPX and the different services. So it's one of the biggest IP networks in the world. And what we think is, is really important there is that uh, you have the best quality you can get with a low latency and so on. And this is when it comes to IPX, we fully supported this from day number one, and there was some documentation also done early in the 2000s of how an IPX network should work. And this is where we defined the standard for this together with other carriers and, and operators in the world. But it's not until, I would say, a couple of years back when operators started to launch LTE that there is actually a use of putting a class of service onto the services they're using the IPX network. And it is to route it with a higher class and to give priority to that traffic. For example, voice over LTE. What do you think makes Telia Carrier a leading vendor for IPX? I mean, we had a lot of operators respond to this survey and clearly there's a lot of support for you as a company. Oh, thank you very much for that. We really appreciate it to see the results and it's, it's always good feedback to hear from customers. What I think, uh, I'm going to summarize it in three different things. And I already mentioned the IP network that we have, that we built, which is our own network. What we think is important is to have end-of-end control of the network. So we are in 100% control of the quality of service, how we route the traffic, if we need to do any changes, and the diversity within the network. So that is the first thing. The second thing is that we built our AS8837, which is the IPX network in itself on top of AS99. So we have a number of 255 places across the world where we can actually plug in and connect operators. And that flexibility, of course, is something that is really, really important uh, for operators. And when we talk about the different services and what we're offering, we have a very flexible way of offering. So what we can do on, on uh, for example, Singling or GRX or something related to Internet of Things, we can do that and we can easily just scale up to whatever we need to do to meet the customer's requirement. And, and I think that is important. We saw that in Europe with e-regulation, that there was a rapid growth in the traffic where operators needed to have from what was maybe one or 200 megabit of GRX data traffic up to one to two gig. And we could easily just expand that thanks to our network. The third thing I want to just touch base on and mention is that we, we have a very good customer service, which take care about our customers. And I think that is something we've seen that in, in former surveys as well, that they've been ranked very high across the IP team, across the IPX team. And I think those three together make us, yeah, that the customer get a very good customer experience from working with us. It is absolutely true that in the summer we launched our customer service report and 
It's actually our second customer service report. These are quite interesting reports because they're not necessarily focused on any specific service, but more on the vendors in general and how they perform against customer service KPIs. And you guys are also very high up in that research. So you touched on before about Internet of Things. And of course, this is a huge buzz topic. In, in Rocco, we just launched this week the Internet of Things security strategy survey for MNOs. It's been consistently a big topic in terms of quality. You mentioned it before. What is Telecarrier? What is your focus on, on Internet of Things? We have we have a very big focus and have had that for, for quite a few years. We have, for example, a company called Division X. And Division X is focusing on different solutions in the Nordic and Baltic market where we have our group operators. But we also have another the division within Division X focusing more on the global footprint of how we can roll out services to different operators. In Telia Carrier, where I'm working, we're a carrier with different layer one, layer two, and layer three services, which means that we're connected to quite a big number of providers already today. And when we talk about IoT solutions, we often talk about mobile IoT, where you have a SIM card roaming somewhere and it could be installed in an electronic meter, gas meter, I mentioned cars before, but it could also be a number of other solutions. And those solutions all together is something called Industry 4.0. And 4.0 is maybe something we don't mention that often when we talk about USMA roaming, but the requirements are the same for those Internet of Things devices, just to make sure that they're always connected, they have a very high quality all the time. And this is where we can raise the bar and have done a lot of work just to make sure that we do understand when it comes to Internet of Things, the customer requirements, what they require, both on the, the cloud-based side, on, on the operator side, I would say, but also when we connect to different enterprises and enterprise solutions. So this is, starts to become more complex because then we're not talking about a roaming scenario where you're taking your SIM card abroad uh, for outbound or inbound roaming, but you include more components like cloud-based services. I mentioned the different enterprises, which could be car manufacturer, but we also have the carrier network, which is the mobile operator. And then we have to make sure that with our network and with the solutions we're offering, that we glue everything together and that you have a very good solution where you can take the traffic from one part in the world across our network to another part in the world. And this is where Telia Carriers is really strong and good in focusing on offering quality of service as well as the flexibility and the connectivity. There is a new initiative as a new working group within GSM Association, the networking group, working and focusing on mobile IoT. And it is important because there is a lack of standard today how actually Internet of Things or machine-to-machine -machine communication works. And that is something that we see from an operator, how they set up and define everything they do or most of the things they do when it comes to M2M, but also for enterprises or manufacturers of devices. And this is something that uh, will be addressed within this new uh, working group for mobile IT. And there's a white paper just about to be released. So that is something to look into if you're working with IT within the mobile data business. Yeah, actually on LTEM and, and NBIoT, we're about to, to start some research, uh, probably will be in a few weeks time now. You know, many of the roaming agreements that has been signed doesn't even cover anything of this. This is something that I think the roaming team didn't see coming. And that means that you open up in the agreements. It's like a loophole you have for permanent roaming. 
So this is something where I think GSMA now has work to do. One of the work streams, as I mentioned, is for this uh, IoT TF, for the mobile IoT, yeah. how that will look like in the next coming years. Tovion, your insights into the industry is clear. We're talking to somebody who really understands how quality works in this industry. Thank you very much for this time with you today. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Look out for more big interviews in the coming weeks. If you are an MNO, you might be interested in participating in our Innovators Survey. This year, we're not only looking for your opinion about vendors who you think are innovating the market, but also for your own ideas of how this market could be improved with some, let's say, fresh thinking. There's a prize for the winning idea, so please don't hesitate to get involved. Please see our research projects page for more information about this survey. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan, and you've been listening to The Big Interview from Rocco Radio.